Petersfield's Shine Radio. Growing together with Claire Venice and Steve Amos on Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, well, thanks for joining us in Growing Together from Petersfield's Shine Radio. I'm Claire Venice, and I'm at the Adhurst Estate Allotment once again with allotment chair and award-winning gardener... Oh, hardly. ...Steve Amos. <laughs> Hello, Steve. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? All right, thank you. Another beautiful day. We're lucky, aren't we? Oh, aren't we? Let's keep doing this because yeah. <laughs> the weather's nice. However, we do need some rain. Well, I was literally dancing with joy the other evening when it did rain. It did. We didn't have much though, did we? No, I was really hoping there might have been a little bit more as well, but there wasn't. It's bone dry. Crazy how dry it's been for April. April showers, where are they? No, they haven't been, have they? No. No, no, we haven't had much at all. Up here, we're off grid, so we use a solar pump actually to pump water up from the stream. I know we've, we've kind of run out a couple of times, which is, for this time of year, is horrendous, but people insist on watering every day. I don't really understand it, but I try and tell people don't water every day seedlings and in your greenhouse yeah absolutely but watering established plants every day i personally don't think it's good for them well they don't get to establish the root system no they don't get a decent root system no they just Mm. have a shallow root system and what i do here on the plot here is quite a big plot is sort of every monday i'll do a third tuesday i'll do a third wednesday i'll do a third thursday i'll have a rest friday i'll start again Mm. so every four or five days everything gets a good soak and i think that's plenty and water butts. Uh, we spoke about this last time. <laughs> I know. You have a water butt city. We do here. have water butt city. <laughs> How many did we count? At least 16 between uh, my mate Coxie and I. <laughs> That's great. So we do all right. <laughs> I mean, I've got two at home. Yeah. And I can hear they're draining down. Yes. They are draining yeah, down. No, they so are. It is a worry. So, um, yeah, hopefully there'll be a bit more rain to balance out this beautiful weather. So it doesn't look like it on the forecast. No, there doesn't. No. But we'll see. Well, it was lovely walking down to your allotment plot. It's starting to wake up, isn't it? Oh, it looks lovely. Growing, blossoming, lovely lot of green. Things coming alive again. It's wasps. so exciting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly ate a wasp. <laughs> it just got bombarded by an early wasp. No, it's beautiful, isn't it? And the green of this time of year, of the trees. Obviously, we can look out over the golf course here, can't we? And sort of the older trees aren't out yet, but behind them are some of the oaks. And they've got that beautiful, vibrant green. And there's no place better. It's just so beautiful. And there's a lot going on on all the plots around here but on yours too Steve so what, yes. what's changed since I saw you a couple of weeks ago um, what's changed I think sweet peas are in I don't think sweet peas no, are in yeah, no it's so sweet peas are in so they kind of sit around for a few weeks once they've gone in then they go you know why the hell have you taken me out of that nice cosy pot and put me in the ground so they're in sat there doing nothing for the moment but I think in a week or so they'll be up and running potatoes I've got my potatoes in in my bags which is how I grow mine now this is unusual I'm glad you've mentioned this because <laughs> I know we spoke about how you grew potatoes last yep. time but actually to see it in action is something else I've never seen potatoes grown like this before in okay. that you have them in bags yes they're 17 litre plastic bags but they're quite durable plastic and these actually before we get loads of complaints that I'm using plastic these are actually in their sixth year so they're doing all right reusable reusable plastic, plastic absolutely mm-hmm. yeah and what I do I dig a trench as you would do if you're planting potatoes and then fill the bag with a third of compost with a mix of fertilizers in there put depending on the variety one or two seed potatoes in each bag and then top them up to the top put them in the trench and then earth up around the bags to keep the moisture in 
That's how, mm-hmm. that's how it goes. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It works. It, it works does. for you because they're coming up. Some of them, yeah, some of them are coming, coming up. up yeah, yeah. I was a bit short on compost, actually, so I brought another bag. But I struggled down here with it, didn't I? You looked a little bit like Father Christmas with a sack. <laughs> with, a sack of, <laughs> with a sack of compost on my back. Uh, yeah, so a couple of the bags need topping up. And that'll obviously help with a bit of frost protection because obviously this time of year, we're not out the woods yet, are we, with the frost? So the potatoes are all in. You plant them all, don't you? With yes, yeah, I do time. them all, in the same, all on the same day. First, seconds. But I don't actually grow main crop potatoes. I just do a salad and first and second early. That's all I grow. Is it too late to put potatoes in now, no, would you say? No, no, no. I think last knockings really. Last chance, really, over the next week or so. If you can get yourself down to the garden centre, if you fancy growing some potatoes, there's definitely a bargain to be had. I picked some dahlia tubers up for a friend of mine. About 12 dahlia tubers. And it's not too late to plant dahlias, then? Oh, no. Okay. Too early, if anything. But I've, I've put them all in pots for him. This is something I wanted to talk to you about, actually. Okay. About dahlias. Okay. Because I have grown some from seed. Yeah, I remember you saying And yeah. I also have some from tubers last year, which were grown from seed. Okay. So I took the tubers, yep. Did you dried t- them out, okay. put them in the garage, yep. and then they've been in pots in my greenhouse, which is not heated. They've sprouted up now. Yep. They're probably a good 10... 12 centimetres above ground now and I don't know what to do. I've been keeping them in the greenhouse. Do I bring them out to harden them off? Two things I would do. One, bring them out to start hardening them off but only during the day because they are super frost sensitive. And the second thing to do, if they're that big already, is probably pinch out two or three leaves down and then you'll get a bushier plant with more stems on it and a, and a more healthy looking plant. Okay, that's, that's, I'd have been a bit scared to do that. Yeah, yeah no, it'd be, be quite brutal. I've sort of showed people up here when they've got dahlias that are starting to bud, you know, and you, you see them at this time of year, they've been in greenhouses or loads of bottom heat, they start to bud already. You need to take the first part of the plant that's holding the bud and then the next set of leaves as well. Because if you just take the first one down, it'll throw some more bud straight away. So it'd be quite brutal. They'll survive. So what it's stage terrifying. are your... It is a bit... Yeah, that's why I'm a little bit worried about it, but I'm glad you said that. So what stage are your dahlias at then? So the cuttings I took are being hardened off. So they're out of the greenhouse during the day, like I've just said, but they're only in three-inch pots. And I've probably got, I've got about 30, I think. But I kept a load of dahlias in the ground last year. So I took a bit of a risk. And I'm pleased to say, on inspection over the weekend, we're doing all right. Really? So we're going to have more dahlias than you can shake oh, a proverbial sticker. Oh, it's going to be gorgeous. I, I dug up the ones that I knew I wanted to propagate from and went through the process of drying them out and then laying them on the seed beds and getting some shoots and they're doing all right so i think i've got about 30 cuttings to add I'm not really sure where i'm going to put them dot we'll them see. about here and there well, a bit of color I, yeah, I, yeah I'm not, i know you're not no, no you're no. not maybe you might have to just I, I might have to in, in amongst the onions or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. push your comfort zone oh, no, no, i no, love no. all that no it, gives, it brings me cold sweats thinking about that isn't it funny how yeah. people garden we all have our own ways our yeah. own journeys the way i garden up here though is fairly formal because i don't have a herbaceous border or anything like that you know so everything's got a bed you know i've got the four dahlia beds there and then there's the shallot bed the onion and garlic bed and there's going to be beans and then there's going to be flowers so the only ones that are slightly higgledy-piggledy are the cut flower beds and i do two of those which are a mixture so where i could squeeze dahlias in here and there just brings me out in in a cold sweat quite frankly (laughs) (laughs) see i i've been playing with my garden these last few weeks because i don't have a formal plan i have a sort of idea in my head Mm. where things need to go and obviously there's a crop rotation i like to adhere to because of keeping the soil healthy i don't always stick rigidly to it but i do like to mix things up a little bit and figure out where things are going to fit and if they don't fit where i originally thought then i'll put them somewhere Somewhere else else. they've got two chances haven't they yes they either will or they won't so pretty final really isn't it well it's interesting i went to the bbc gardeners world spring 
there at Bewley this oh, last okay. weekend. Chose Sunday, which was a little bit of a rainy, dreary day, but there were loads of people there. Was, there, sort of, was it a yeah. good day? It was a good day. You know, I think just people happy to be Did back you buy out anything? I personally didn't, no, because no. I've got a lot going on that I've grown <laughs> already, and I don't think I need anything more at the moment. No? There isn't space. I don't think, like I'm I said. I'm sure you'll squeeze some in somewhere. <laughs> I bought a couple of carnivorous plants for my daughters. Okay. Who were, were wrapped by this one stall. We had just, not just oh, your really? normal Venus flytraps, which I did get one of those for my youngest, but some incredible looking They're carnivorous amazing, aren't plants. They? Yeah, yeah. Out of this world. My, uh, my youngest daughter likes a cactus and succulents. So whenever I go to a garden show or something like that, if there's succulents, I'll bring her back a, a little pot. Inside the house is full of them. Brilliant. <laughs> it's nice to find little things like that isn't it mm, you that is, always yeah, no. find a and so, you know like the aloe vera plants when they have babies she likes to pot them on and you know she, she sold a load last year for some pocket money for herself so oh, good for yeah her. no no fair play to her she did well enterprising gardener well yeah well what was it? I met up with Matt Biggs and Francis Tophill who were there and asked them both various different questions about gardening and how they got into gardening okay. and advice for gardeners I'm at the BBC Gardener's World Spring Fair and it's a bit of a dreary day on Sunday but it is packed here and everyone is raring to go. I'm with Matt Biggs who many of you will know from Radio 4's Gardener's Question Time. Lovely to meet you, Matt. Really nice to be here. And you mentioned uh, about the weather. Yeah, it's a little bit grey today, but hey, we're gardeners. We need this rain. But when it comes to out and abouting, you can see everybody. There's umbrellas up, fantastic selection of umbrellas, really good wet weather gear. The lovely thing about gardeners is, well, they don't care about the rain. They're out there, they're among the plants, and that's where they want to be. So it's it's lovely to see people, not perhaps quite as smiley as yesterday, but still hanging on to that smile because they're surrounded by plants and in a gardening-y location. Well, you're absolutely right about the weather because I don't know about you, but my garden is parched, desperate for the rain. Oh, totally. I, I live near um, St Albans in Hertfordshire, and a friend of mine who actually records the rainfall said, uh, 17 millimetres, you know, and, and this is the time of year when we're so to get everything growing you know we expect April showers and they've just not been here it's on the on the verge of drought and and if you go to the drier parts of the country then they really are struggling so yeah though we've loved the sunshine of course we do we don't see much of it it really has come at the wrong time of year whoever did the bookings got it completely wrong yes absolutely well Matt I wanted to ask you what inspired you to start gardening in the first place now that is an interesting question because when I was younger my father loved the countryside he used to take us for walks and you know of that generation so I was born in 1960 people didn't have uh, phones and play games on the phones we didn't have a television or anything like that we still maintained that sort of Victorian tradition of going out looking at the countryside in those days uh, if you had access to the countryside you'd become an, a natural historian and you would learn about the bees and the butterflies and the birds and the insects and what lived in your surroundings so he would take us a walk and he would point out you know as much as he knew then uh, then genetically uh, I've also got a love of gardening from my mum so my mum uh, loved gardening uh, and I found out more about that later in her life uh, before she died. You know, sort of discussing uh, gardening or remembering, remembering things or remembering plants. So there's gardening genetics there and from my granddad and also from her brother. Her brother, when, uh, David, when he retired, he gardened uh, until his death every day. And so he just developed his garden. He had fruit and veg and what have you, and he just potted around. I mean, how cool is that? What a lovely way to spend time. So I think I've been fortunate to inherit that you know that that set of gardening genes and uh, and what it does it's a real privilege to love gardening 
because it allows you to be connected with nature. Yeah, you have pests and diseases and problems, but you're surrounded by beauty and beautiful things and you're anticipating the appearance of flowers and buds. And it teaches you a lot about life as well as generally, you know, we're garden, everybody here is happy today because they're surrounded by plants and they're looking to beautify and improve their surroundings. So when, when people say, you know, mindfulness uh, or the modern thought about gardening and green spaces and the impact of green, all these sort of scientific theories we're coming out with gardeners have been responding to that or known about that for years you know if you'd have come to anyone who's a gardener and said what is it about gardening you go well it's being out in the fresh air the open the lack of stress working at the pace of nature and it's all these rhythms of life that we were sort of made to work to but we then have become you know industrialized until recently working in offices and working on high pressure and money and all this kind of thing so i think gardening has just taken us back it's sort of tapped us on the shoulder and said come back here come here come here this is where you belong and everybody's gone really and then you know exhale and that's why gardening makes everyone happy well it's been lovely to catch up with you i know you're very busy today thank you very much for talking to me total pleasure thank you Steve, I see that your carrots ah, have progressed Project again. Carrot and How Project is, Parsnip. How's it yes, going? well, as you can see, they're all covered now. So I've got three troughs, for want of a better phrase. I've got the long carrots and then two shorter carrots. They're ready to be thinned out. They're all up. All but, I think, six stations have germinated. So we're going to look forward to carrots in the summer. There's going to be a few. Brilliant. Yeah, going well, I think. So you planted three seeds in each station. Do you take a risk then and thin it down to one? Yes. Yeah. Is that a nerve-wracking thing for you? No. No, just go for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the weakest does not survive. Yeah, and they're covered with Enviromesh as well. Yes. Stop those pesky St- stop the, carrot flies. The carrot fly, yep. My little what look like uh, Wild West wagons <laughs> dotted around the plot at the moment. They yeah. do, but it's good that it's working. I'm yeah, no, absolutely. And the garlic's looking fantastic as well. And shallots are looking lovely. Yeah, the shallots are looking good, but I did see some signs of rabbit earlier, mm. just as we walked into the plot. So don't really want to start fencing everything again, but sometimes you have to. We've had a badger or a family of badgers or maybe even a village of badgers. A village of badgers. On our garden. <laughs> I haven't seen one or two or three or, or ten yet, but there's huge evidence. Have you it. got a wildlife camera? I'm going to have to get one. I've yeah. thought about it for years, but the fact that we have real evidence now of... We've got a couple up badgers. here and they're re- some of the stuff you catch is really interesting. They're good things to have. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, yeah. I think, because they're definitely enjoying our lawn and we are letting our lawn. It's May. Ah, you're doing no, no mo May. May. We've decided to let the lawn go for May. Okay. And then we're going to keep areas. Okay. Because I think about no mo May is that really by cutting it down at the end of May, there is still lots of wildlife. You're kind of defeating the object a little yeah, bit, aren't so you? Yeah. And I understand some people like to have a cut lawn, but if you can keep certain areas wild. Mm. So I think we'll we'll see how we use our lawn as it grows yep. and what areas maybe we'll just put the lawnmower down to create a path. Just keep a pathway through them. Have yeah, a bit yeah. of fun with that. That'll I think, be nice. Up here, obviously, we've got an awful lot of grass. We do have some designated areas for wildflowers, which, which don't get mown at all. And I think this month we keep Dougie in check with his lawnmower and just leave a few more areas free as well. But last year, we actually made the decision not to mow the orchard anymore. Every year we've got the tractor in with a mower and mown the orchard. But last year we decided not to. 
and we had a couple of scything courses here. So there's a few really keen scythers now on site that have vowed to keep the orchard in fairly good order, but by using a scythe, which is quite an interesting. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch them do it? Um, no, I thought it was a bit weird watching people <laughs> scything. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that Frances Topper was talking about when I spoke to her about rewilding and foraging and using the garden as it's meant to be rather yeah. than cultivating it. I'm still at the BBC Gardener's World Spring Fair in Bewley here and I'm very lucky that I've bumped into Frances Tophill. Hi Frances. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? You've been here all day. Yes, all day in the rain, which is sad for the show, but good for the garden. We've been very, very much needing some rain, so it's, it's all good. And how's the response been here today? I think good. I think I think everyone's really engaged. I mean, obviously, we're all just really glad to be back out at flower shows and seeing other gardeners after two years of can we go out, can't we go out? So, yeah, and I think also there's a, there's a whole kind of rethink of the way that people grow, which is very much in tune with the way I've always grown, which is kind of much more about edibles and much more about kind of wildlife-friendly plants and stuff like that so it's it seems good well that's interesting you should say that because you have a new book out called the modern gardener which does talk all about how you garden and what you believe in which is very topical at the moment and i think also how a lot of people are thinking about gardening now away from the traditional design of a lawn and borders are you finding that's what people are talking to you about there's so much talk at the moment about lawns and I, I was one of the people who was definitely not anti-lawn but you know like we can do better than a lawn and we can but I've actually come around to feeling a little bit sorry for lawns I see so much anti-lawn stuff that now you see all these gardens that are built with just paving instead and I just think actually that we've kind of gone a little bit wrong here you know but having a lawn that you just don't mow as much it's great but even having a lawn is way better than having a patio but yeah I do I do definitely feel that there is a move towards my kind of gardening it's not my kind of gardening is it what what I sort of enjoy is hearkening back to a kind of previous age of of not just gardening but also foraging because like many people I don't have my own garden I've kind of rented houses that have gardens or I have stayed with my I was living with my mum for a couple of years <laughs> during lockdown like lots of people and staying with friends and and having either really small spaces or, or non-existent outdoor spaces so actually foraging for me is as big a part of, of horticulture and the, and the gardening year as growing is so um yeah I think there is a lot more engagement with that generally and especially because I think of lockdown everyone had time at home and everyone had time to watch that do you remember that beautiful spring that we had so hot and watch it all kind of come about and listen to the birds and stop and actually notice the things around us for the first time in years so I think everyone's trying to kind of hold on to that feeling which is exactly what I've always been about really so yeah it's good it is good actually and it's interesting because I think a lot of people have rediscovered their gardens as a result of lockdown and and people who've never really gardened before have also thought about doing it for, for mindfulness for their well-being nothing quite like going outside in your garden and just just for even five ten minutes walking around and just taking it in yeah and at a time when we've all been really anxious I know I've been really anxious and, and the news for a while and still <laughs> feels really scary to have a little bit of space no matter how small that is just to have a little bit of respite is so important and I've 
I think a lot of people have looked around and been incredibly grateful just for having a really small space when you think about people who are living in high rises or in flats where they have no outdoor space. And that's when we start thinking about how important our countryside is and how important our public spaces are and our parks and how we really should all be thinking, in my opinion, of kind of engaging people much more in how we live and how we use our public land that we all have access to, whether we can have spaces for growing projects and have spaces for rewilding and and have a space where we're all welcome to be that really unifies us and brings us together. Because I think we've seen that in the last couple of years, that gardening can be a huge saving grace for our mental health but also can really unite communities and bring everybody together and and we've all seen projects that happen where all the neighbors got together and did their alleyway up because they didn't have any gardens and now they have a garden alleyway and you know all these sorts of things that have that have made us realize what's really important in life and I guess what's important in life is the world around us and the people around us. Yeah, absolutely. What advice would you give someone who's just starting out gardening and is a bit daunted by books or what they see on telly or here, indeed, on the radio? Oh, it's tough, isn't it? Because it is daunting. I mean, I, I think that might be my advice. It's just when you're talking about mindfulness, it's like acknowledge that it's daunting, sit with that and be OK with that. You know, it's like having failures when, when we do anything. But when we garden, we make mistakes. We've all done that and things don't work and that's okay I think it's a bit of self self forgiveness and I know as an allotment holder I have a lot of there's a lot of guilt you know it's all especially when you watch programs like Gardener's World it's all painted out to be incredibly lovely isn't it great you know this is so good for my mental health this is so good for this I know loads of friends who have given up allotments because they find them way too stressful because the pressure of having it looking pristine with your neighbors around you is is a lot but actually does it really matter if you fail to do something well or if you have some weeds growing up as long as you put a sign up maybe saying I'm letting the weeds grow because I want to encourage the wildlife then people can't really complain as much or if they do it's at least it's a conversation that you can have and I think that might be the first piece of advice is not to expect yourself to just immediately get it and be an expert in it but to accept that you are learning we're all learning and just kind of be up for that journey really good advice thanks so much Francis lovely to talk to you thank you for taking the time interesting to hear Francis talk on it but yeah we'll, we'll see uh, what comes it, of it what comes on, on the lawn this year yeah, for the bees as well I think it's great I mean we've had a few hives up here and about this time of year you get the, the clover flowers and the honey from the clover flowers is, is fantastic hopefully there'll be lots of wildflowers in amongst our unmown areas yeah very pretty whatever happens it'll be pretty yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> well i have also decided to put my brassicas into the ground okay they were getting a bit leggy yep. in the greenhouse yep. i've been hiding them off during the day and i thought right okay i'm gonna pop them in and i know we spoke at a previous episode about both of us not having huge success yeah with brassicas in what, the what are you growing well i went through my seed packets earlier on in the year and i had some seeds left over of some brussels sprout seeds yep. a few broccoli okay and kale Okay. A lot of kale. So yeah. I just sowed them all. Yeah. I thought, right, you know, let's just get them in and let's see what happens. Kale's a good doer, isn't it? It does go well and doesn't need as much love and attention and preening as some of the other brassicas. I mean, cauliflower, I think they call it the queen of vegetables because it needs to be treated like a queen. It's beautiful oh, it's when it grows. It's fantastic, but it's such a pain in the no. bum to grow. Without successional sowing, you have a glut. And day one, when your cauliflower's ready, they're all ready. But even with successional sowing, you can't sow one or two seeds you see how tiny cauliflower seeds are and i'm all for successional sowing and having a an extended harvest season but brassicas 
Yeah, <laughs> I've given. I've given up on them. I have to say, not this year. You're, you're not I don't doing do them it. anymore at all. Oh really? No. Okay. For me, they just take up a lot of space. You can't fit dahlias in between them, mm-hmm. and even if you would, even if I would, exactly. <laughs> and I, yeah, I just I've just given up on them. Yeah. I'll let you know how mine goes. Yeah. I have covered them with netting and quite tall canes, probably four foot okay. high canes. Yeah, yeah. I think that was my mistake last year. I didn't have tall enough. Well, the pigeons canes. sat on them. Yeah, and, and then the weeds them. grew up, yeah. and I couldn't see? see them really. Do you know what I also sowed? I sowed lots of wildflowers in between. Oh, in between. So I'm them. hoping, even if the weeds do come up, then they'll be pretty. They'll be disguised. Pretty ones. Disguised, <laughs> disguised as wildflowers. And I even like if it. my brassicas well, don't work. It's still well, what's the be a definition nice of a weed? Well, exactly. It's a flower in the wrong place, isn't it? Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah good luck know. with it. Good luck with it. You mentioned successional sowing, and that's something I've also done with peas and broad beans this year. Yep. Is that something you do as well? Yeah, I do business? with things like beetroot. I do a couple of rows and then three or four weeks later do another couple of rows. It yeah. is it is good way. It doesn't stop the glut of runner beans though, does it? No. <laughs> or courgettes. Oh, don't. I thought I had forgotten to sow courgettes. And with a panic this weekend, popped six in. Two different varieties. I grow a yellow courgette yeah. and a stripy one. Bit of variety, something different that you can't yeah, yeah. get in the shops. And then, of course, lo and behold, a few days later as I was watering my little greenhouse. And it is packed. Is it? And it's a lean-to, so I can't always get to the back of it very well and see what the... You found the I courgette found Another six. Brilliant. Last year, my dad grew. It looked a bit like a gourd, but I think it was more like an oriental cucumber. So it had a sort of a, a long, thin bit to it and then almost like a bulbous end and dad lost a few of them and a couple of them he pulled out must have been a good three foot long they were whoppers and kilos in weight they were absolutely huge crazy thing so you know losing a plant is one thing but <laughs> losing the the fruit of your labor is is, is something else that's amazing i've got some photographs from my dad my dad's a bit like me he's not he's not, not the biggest fella in the world and some of these things are nearly as big as him it was brilliant <laughs> <laughs> so i know you mentioned previously steve that you're not a huge huge fan of tomatoes no. But you do grow them. I do grow them. Well, I've been harding off. I know we're talking a lot about harding off, but it's really the time to do that now. So I have my tumbling tom tomatoes. Okay, grow yeah, yeah. From seed. They do well in hanging baskets. So that's what I'm going to do. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to just plant tomatoes? Are you going to plant some flowers in amongst them as well? I, well, I have marigolds. Okay. So I'll pop some marigolds in because yeah, yeah. They're, they're good companion that's plants. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've probably got enough for three hanging baskets okay. this year. Not too many, but no, just no. enough because yep. they do give off quite a lot. It's amazing, isn't it? I think, did we speak about it the other day? The size of a tomato seed is tiny. It's less than a millimetre, isn't it? And the amount of fruit you get off from one seed, it's just it's bonkers, isn't it? It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's I love great. them. So I'm ready to put those in. But I tend to put hanging baskets with sphagnum moss Okay, in. yeah, yeah. And it's brilliant because it retains the moisture. Mm. So although you do need to water it to make sure there's enough water in the moss, it will maintain that. It will continue to, yeah, yeah. to water the plants. Excellent. It's good fun putting that in. Yeah, I bet. I usually line the bottom of the hanging baskets with a cut out of a bit of compost bag or something like that. Loads of holes in it and then line it with something else. And yeah, it does the trick. Just... Do you have any hanging baskets here on the allotment? No, um, some people do, but I have them at home. They're nice by the front door, aren't they? Well, especially if you've got tomatoes. Come to the front door and pick a tomato. <laughs> Extra treat. <laughs> exactly. Love it. So what are you getting ready for? So 
next next on the list of things to do is as you see some of the beds are still covered the other end of the garlic bed is going to be onions so that needs to be uncovered and dug over rotivated a bit more fertilizer in there ready for the onions to go in because they're you know, crying out to be going in now the roots are all popping through the bottom of the pots and then the next bed down is going to be beans so again that needs dug over rotivated and bean poles put up i love that time of year putting the bean poles up not like my my neighbor over there who's had them up half the year already he had them up in january he did already. didn't he he was super keen wasn't he <laughs> yeah he was <laughs> he let me into a secret the other day actually they're really sturdy he screwed them together I know. Wow. He's used hazel stakes and has screwed them together. Well, they Cheat. have stayed. Even, Cheat. Even through that storm. <laughs> through the storm, they didn't move. No, they didn't. That's why. More substantial than some of the sheds up here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope his beans grow as well. Absolutely. Do you put your beans along an A-frame? Do you do wigwams? I do them in an A-frame. As shallow angle as possible. And then the beans dangle down better. Yeah, you can walk through the middle and pick them out from underneath. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah. I did them as an A-frame last year, and this year I'm doing them as wigwams. Right. And I have grown, again, far too many beans because... I found some beans I grew last year that I'd kept mm -hmm. and dried. Yep. I'd forgotten about them in the garage. So you put them in. So I soaked them for a day and I've probably got 20 odd bolotti beans and some runner beans. Right, and okay. I've also got French beans. Yes. Uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, I've got loads. So I've, I've got one well, wigwam I'm, up already. I'm not swapping your beans for carrots because I'm going to have enough beans myself. Well, I thought this year I might make a giant wigwam and see if I can have a big one to make it look like a den really yeah, good idea the kids to go yeah, in yeah. And, and have fun and, and like you said when the beans, the beans grow dangle, dangle yeah they down. dangle yeah, down yeah. Oh, good um, idea yeah try that out yeah there's a way of growing them but there's, there's a short upright and then like a roof of a house and you can literally walk underneath it and just pick them so mine's a variation on that you've got to yeah, make no, it definitely. fun haven't you yeah, yeah, add a bit of character to it yeah 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 definitely talking of, of structures and things for the second year running I put an archway in my front garden which I dug up and converted to a vegetable patch over the yeah, last five six saying, years yeah. and so there's a circle in the middle I've kept lawn for the paths in between the four plots that I have and I, I created a circle in the middle of, of lawn as well a sort of central point so I have two archways meeting each other in the middle. Oh, nice. And last year I tried to grow kabea up, but I think the kabea wasn't that strong. I don't know, maybe it was the, the weather. So I'm trying again because they can grow apparently quite quickly. Yes. And have these beautiful bell flowers. That's right, yeah. I'm hoping they'll grow up. And I've got nasturtiums growing as well. Oh, lovely. Which are brilliant because yeah, they no, add that pop of colour towards the end of the season. Yes. And you can eat them. You can eat the, the flowers the and flowers the leaves. The flowers and the leaves, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. No, mm. absolutely. They're really peppery, aren't they? A bit like yeah. rocket. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Excellent. Lots of things to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's going to be a busy few weeks. Yeah, next time you come, hopefully onions will be in, the beans will be on, and everything else will be going mad. Look forward to it. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Steve. If you have any questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. We really, really would. So you can get in touch with us by calling Petersfield 555 500. That's 01730 555 500. Or you can email us at team at shineradio.uk. Happy planting. Thank you, and you. together new every month and always online at shineradio.uk it's the 1950s in petersfield and look at us sitting around drinking bovril and waiting for some cool cat to invent shine radio it's so boring without that quite but hold it in missus because when they do it'll be thoroughly modern and made of formica probably this summer, Shine Radio turns back the clock to the 1950s 
We'll be sharing stories from the Petersfield archives and your own memories, reliving the music of the time, and we'll be live at Petersfield's Platinum Jubilee Fair in June. Do get in touch if you have a recollection of Petersfield in the 50s and stand by for a summer of Petersfield memories only on Petersfield's Shine Radio. Too right. We'll be having a blast. Quite so. It's the word from the bird, Daddy-o. Oh, shush.